We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now on to the mailbag, Vince. Yes, sir. We have a, a lot of good questions, and we're going to kind of go through and, and find some more. So you're now allowed to remove the, the thing and find some more. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to get into to these questions, and we're, we're going to grab the Super Chats first, but then we're going to dive into the rest of the questions because there's a lot of good discussion going on in the chat today. Uh, actually, I want to bring up Kevin Carter's Super Chat yeah. first. Kevin, thank you very, very much for this, buddy. Appreciate you. As well. We appreciate yep. you, too. Yep. So. Kevin says, with the gap closing secondary of 22 and 23 combined, as well as the safeties on the backside, if they all reach their peaks, could this be a possible no-fly zone group like the Broncos had, but obviously not at that level? Wow, he's really he's hitting you from your NFL team and everything. I love it, yeah. Uh, you know, to me, if, if we look at talent-wise, it's got a chance to be pretty good. I don't know if it's got a chance to be that good right now like when you think of that no fly zone i mean you're talking about akib talib was a monster chris harris was one of the better cover guys in the league that year you know they just but but here's the thing about that no fly zone you know big reason why they were that good is because they had a phenomenal pass rush me and von miller demarcus ware malik jackson was was rushing inside i mean you had a great pass rush and that was and so notre dame did a lot like or notre dame denver did a lot of off man and they could then jump stuff you know, right. because the, you know, because exactly. of the, how good the pass rush was. And so to me, if there th- that that's really more of what I'm coming from is it's the great secondary, really, really, really good recruiting in the secondary last couple of years at corner safety has been a little bit more inconsistent. Uh, but, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's, um, if the pass rush is there, then, then sure. I could see that. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know if I, could say Vince that it's going to be like this elite, like best three to four cover group in the country. Um, you know, like the no fly zone kind of thing. It's got a chance, but I need to see another good year at safety in 2024 before I'm ready to get there. Because that's the big thing is they didn't really sign a safety in 22. Uh, you know, so you're hoping that Don Schuler and Peyton Bowen both pan out. But the reality is, is the reason that we talk so much about why recruiting is so important, Vince, is because 
somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to not pan out. Not everyone's going to be what you hope that they're going to be as recruits. And so if, if a Don Shuler, Peyton Bowen don't pan out or get hurt, then, you know, you're in trouble. And so I think that's a, you know, that's kind of where I look at it is I'm not quite there yet, Kevin, but I'm close. If they can give me one more good year in the secondary at safety, especially, um, you know, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of why I, I think that they're, you know, the, the, the thing that would keep them from that, from that level, Vince. Here we go from God Country, Notre Dame Barbecue and Coffee. I don't like that last part, but we'll. I yeah, guess. he dropped us. We were in there for a little bit, I thought, weren't we? Maybe we got, we got bumped. Gross. All right. Uh, for a question, can you guys compare this year's Notre Dame team to national champions of the last 10 to 15 years? Are we on the same level? Not, not with most of them. Not yet. No. I think that's uh, fair. You know, I think I think I think that this year's Notre Dame team, if all the things that we think go well could go well, I think they could compete with last year's Georgia team. Yeah, I do too. I think they could compete with the twenty six, the twenty seventh. I definitely think there. I'll say this: there are there is one for sure national champ, maybe two that I think they would have been better than the last ten years. And they're Georgia this past year, maybe, but that Georgia defense was really good. Yes, it was. It's the 2017 Bama and 2015 Bama. I think this team would match up very well against, in my opinion. 2016 Clemson, you know, in some areas Notre Dame is better. In other really important areas, Clemson's better, and the biggest being quarterback. Like right now, if Notre Dame was going to go play Clemson, I'd be a little nervous about that because, you know, again, if we're talking about neutral field, you know, is Tyler Buckner going to be able to outplay Deshaun Watson? I'm not sure I'm there yet, right? And so that one I don't think they would match up as well. The the reason that I think Notre Dame maybe could stack up in that game, Vince, is I, I that wasn't a I was never a big fan of Clemson's offensive lines, mm-hmm. and I think this defensive line could work do put in work against that Clemson yeah. offensive line. 2015 Bama, I think Notre Dame could play with and beat. You know, 2014 Ohio State, I, I don't think I think that team the way that they were playing at the end of the year was phenomenal i mean that run game and they had speed to you know on the outside with devin smith and you had possession receiver and michael thomas and you had ezekiel elliott and then they had a really good they were really good on the other side of the ball as well and so i think that team they would have had a tough time in my opinion in that team it would have been competitive but i don't think they'd have beat that team 2013 florida state was absolutely a brilliant football team uh, they just – they weren't coached incredibly well, but that was – I mean, you go back and look at the NFL town on that 2013 team. 2012 Bama was loaded, you know, but, but uh, you know, it just it all comes down to quarterback, Vince. 2011 Bama, I'll stack up against that team. That wasn't a very good team, in my opinion. 2010 Auburn, stopping Cam Newton, that might have been tough, <laughs> right? But they were Cam Newton and a bunch of, eh, you yeah, know, that year, you point. know. Um you know, so there's some teams they stack up against, but if we go more recently, this team has a lot to that a lot has to go right for me to say they can compete with 2019 LSU. You know, a lot would have to go right for me to say they could beat 2018 Clemson. I think they could compete with 2018 Clemson. 2019, I don't think they would win. Yeah, you know, I, you know, 2018 Clemson. I need to see some stuff on offense before I'm ready to see, to say that because I think they I think it'd be a, a closer game than it was in 2018. But would it be close enough where they could win? I need to see receiver step up. I need to see because the one thing we knew about that team is they had per, two pretty good outside wide receivers that year. 
will they have a Claypool and a Boykin this year? We don't know the answer to that question yet, right? Uh, you know, will they have a quarterback that can make the big throws down the field That's, that this yeah. to win those games? That's a big question mark. You think so? Yes. Well, I think we definitely think he's good enough to where that would be a competitive game. Right. You but, know, but I need, I need to I need to see some evidence though too. Like I, I need right. this team out. And, and then what happened when Notre Dame lost Julian Love that game? They got torched. Yes. Well, they're gonna enter the game right now with what we know of this team with that mismatch at the other corner spot. They don't have a Julian Love opposite Troy Pride and vice versa. Right. They have great Cam Hart, who's great, but there's a bigger question mark. So sure. would they be able to – so, I mean, I think there's enough holes in the, in the team where I'm saying we're not predicting them to be the national champs this year. No. Could Notre Dame maybe sneak a run if everything goes right? Sure. But I, I think it'd be kind of silly to predict that everything is going to go right. Win it all. There are, still, there are still some holes in this roster. There are still some depth issues on this roster. Like somebody pointed out, you know, Notre Dame is a, a couple injuries at receiver away from not having a ton of playmakers on offense in order to win those games. Now, they're still going to beat most of the teams on their schedule right. with that. I mean, they, right. they beat 10 teams, and they beat Clemson in 2020 with Javon McKinley and Ben Skoranek at wide receiver. Facts. You, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to be all right. Uh, you know, but to me, it's, it's about can they then go into the postseason and let's say beat Ohio State in a rematch. Let's say you're able to beat Ohio State in the opener and Ohio State runs a table and you get them in a rematch. You're going to be able to beat them in a rematch? That's a it's tough. You know, are you going to be able to beat, uh, you know, Alabama? Are you going to be able to beat, you know, uh, Georgia? Are you going to be able to beat teams like that? If, right. if you know, you only have four healthy receivers? Well, it depends on what four, right? I mean, right. you know, but, but yeah, it may be tough because they may be worn down. So there's still enough holes on this football team to say they got some, they got some holes to fill, right? But again, they don't play. I'm looking at this. They don't play Alabama this year in this regular season. They don't play Georgia, right? They get Clemson at home. They don't play Oklahoma. You know, they don't. I mean, there's a lot of teams that people think are going to be really good that Notre Dame doesn't play. So they don't have to beat those teams. They have to beat BYU. They have to beat USC. You know, they have to beat North Carolina. Those are the teams they have to beat. And then we'll see what they can be in the postseason. I love this comment from, from uh, uh, I'm going to say, New York List. I am an optimistically pessimistic realist. That is great. <laughs> a little that bit of great. everything there. That is really, really good. Very, That's very cool. well done. Very, very well done. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Blake Ham says Kelly was a mediocre recruiter, but he was a really good game manager, in my opinion. What is your thoughts on that, Vince? Because I, I never thought he was much of a. I, I guess I never thought he was much of a game manager. I mean, because no, I, I, I go back to the the. You know, I go back to the Tulsa game in 2010 where you're asking your true freshman quarterback who stepped in after your starter got hurt right before halftime and threw an interception as he was getting tackled to throw a go route into the end zone when you're in field goal range. Yeah. You know, I think of a guy that that runs a jet sweep to Chris Brown the first time Chris Brown had ever carried the football inside the five-yard line against Northwestern, and guess what? He fumbled. Mm-hmm. And then you're up – you're up – you score to go up 11 – and instead of kicking the extra point to go up 12, you go for two, don't get it. Northwestern gets a touchdown, a two-point conversion, and a field goal to tie it, send it to overtime. That's not good game management. Right. You know, right. I mean, and, and there's a lot of examples like that. I never felt Kelly was a great in-game coach. Well, I think when Kelly got better like, at the end is when he just stepped back and just let them go play. Yeah, exactly. And I don't. I also don't like the way he, you know, he it, got, it bit him in the butt plenty of times when he would take his foot off the gas and he would – just kind of play, you know, he was Kelly's biggest problem. Well, one of his problems was he was too afraid of what people thought of him. He was too afraid of people thinking that he was running up the score or, or whatever. His public persona was super duper important to him. And that affected the way he called games and the way he did things during the game. And that was, I think one of the biggest problems with him as far Mm -hmm. as being a game manager I didn't like it at all. Yeah. Yep. Agree. Agree. Let's see here. Matt Calvin. Thank you for the super yeah. chat, Matt. Very, very much. For the Superman. I'm hoping for a 12 and 0. Uh, long as we don't get spanked by OSU and Clemson, I would be satisfied. Yeah. I, 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 I would say that against Ohio State. Yeah. I would say that against Ohio State. Because I, look, I, I, it's kind of funny. You get these some of these. I wish all Ohio State fans were like Archer, where you can actually have like a rational conversation. <laughs> uh, but there's just so many of them on Twitter and, and YouTube where it's like you say that you think Notre Dame's as good as they are somewhere, and they think that means you think Ohio State sucks. Right. Right. And it's just like, I think Ohio State's really good. I think Ohio State's one of three or four title contenders this year. I just don't think that they're automatically going to roll into Columbus and beat Notre Dame by 40. Yeah, and that turns in with some Ohio State fans that make me think I think that, they, and I think Notre Dame, if some things go their way, can beat Ohio State. I'm not predicting that they're going to, but I think they could, right? If Oregon last year can a team that got blown out twice by Utah and lost to Stanford can go into Columbus and beat them yeah. last year without Kayvon Thibodeau, without Justin Flo, I'm supposed to believe that Notre Dame is just hoping to not get blown out by 30. You know what I mean? Like I'm just not there yet. But as long as it's a four quarter competitive game where player two here goes your way, maybe you win. Yeah, I'll be satisfied, but I'm not going to be then be satisfied if they then also lose to Clemson. Yeah. You're, you're, the way your talent is, you should not lose games at home. I don't care who you play. 
And, and if Notre Dame was playing at Clemson to start the season and a home against Ohio State in November, I'd have the exact opposite. I'd have the same point of view, but opposite teams. I'd say as long as you go to Clemson and it's a four quarter game and you got a shot to win at the end, like the Georgia game in 2019, I'm 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 okay with that. But you better get you better win that game against Ohio State in November. When you're this kind of team like Notre Dame has, no, you should not lose games in, at home. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to play like gangbusters every time. But you should win. Sure. And I think that's where that's where Notre Dame should be. I mean, they they should not be playing at home the way they did in Cincinnati last year. They they should not. And I don't think this football team will. I, I guess part of me too, Vince. I don't think people realized how how much Notre Dame players were kind of checked out of what the head coach was saying and doing, and how much the head coach had checked out last year. And the whole I mean, side- I've heard people say that he had checked out before Cincinnati. Wow. I don't know if I believe that or not, but I've had people tell me that that he was checked out really before Wisconsin. That's why he said the things he said to Joel Klatt about how this isn't our year and we're not yeah. a very good team. He was already setting the stage for his, his departure, exit. you know, right. Oh, and his, yeah. Cause he wanted, yeah. And that's yeah. what it felt like. If you tell me that after the fact, then I look at what he said to Joel Klatt. Cause I, at the time I was like, dude, what are you saying? Like, what is wrong right. with you? But now it's right. like, okay, well, it kind of makes sense. That makes sense. He, he was, he was politicking for a pay raise on top of the pay raise he had just gotten in the offseason, he wanted even more. Oh, and he yeah. was mad he didn't get more money. Yeah. That, and he, that, he acted like it all year. That, that definitely happened prior to, yeah. prior to Wisconsin. And we knew that. We did know that. That is something that we talked about. Yes, but we did. I didn't realize to the degree in which he was like, I'm over it. And, and he coached like it, to be honest with you. Because remember we talked last year, he was like, he was really weird in post like in, in press con. Like he was really, like he just had like a, I don't give a F anymore mentality last year. So yeah, we'll see. He did. Yeah. Scott Wolfel, thank you very much. Well, yeah, thanks for the question. Speaking of 22, with the injuries to the backfield and the depth at wide receiver, is it too late to add from the portal? If it's still an option, any names floating? Well, it's not too late from a deadlines or whatever standpoint. As long as kids were in the portal before, I think it was like May 1st, as long as an undergrad was in the portal before May 1st, you can still get him if he's still in the portal and and because uh, even if he's will, still with his current team, the only time you can't get him is if he withdraws his name from the portal, right? But you can still get a kid in the portal who's an undergrad before if he was in there before May first. The deadline isn't to May first to get one; it's they have to be in it before then. And then if it's an if it's a graduate player, you can get him whenever he doesn't. It doesn't matter when he goes in the portal. If a graduate player went in the portal tomorrow and Notre Dame had room for him, you could go get him. The problem, Vince, however, is that they don't have room. Right. That's the bigger question. Yes. They, they don't have room an issue. Right. They, they, they've got to lose a couple guys before they get to that point in time. And that's the, you know, that's kind of the bigger question is, can they add, can they add a guy in theory? Yes. Uh, can they practically do it based on where their scholarship is right now? That to me is the bigger question mark. Yeah. That that's right. a huge question mark. Cause they're sitting at 86 right. right now. And I know you're confident they're going to get to 85. That's right. without bringing anybody else in. So right. That's that's a huge problem. The, the season, it has to be set when you start practice, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. a month away, you know? So that that's right. a bigger issue right now. Right. Got a super chat from Coach Bent. Yeah! Thanks, man. Appreciate it very much. What is the most important trait that each coach needs to improve with his group for his team to be successful? Example, releases versus press for the wide receivers. We're talking about this team specifically? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, clearly that is... For wide receivers, you nailed it. Like that, that is one thing that they will be very easy to understand you know, uh, if they do it. 
Okay. I think for me, the even bigger thing is Vince, even beyond the press release, because again, schematically, there's things I can do as a as a coordinator to overcome that and to a degree. Did that? I, I I think just overall, their lack of how to use their stem to to get open, to manipulate defenders to get open, was a huge problem. I mean, they would just literally like run straight and then like do their breaks. There was no understanding of. You know, attacking leverage. You know, hey, you want to attack? You want to threaten him outside on this particular coverage? You want to squeeze down on his near shoulder on this one? It was just like let's just release straight, and you know, yeah. and it was just it was really kind of pitiful to be completely honest with you. But uh, you know, I think that would be the bigger thing for me is that then press release would be next. Uh, you know, trait that each coach needs to improve on quarterback. You know, I, I think it's going to be timing as a passer is going to be a big one. That that was an issue more so for Ian Book than it was Jack Cohn, but just throwing with better timing. Sure. Running back, it would be, to me, as a unit, just being a little bit more patient as runners. I think that was something that was lacking last year, as you saw guys that were either a too patient or not patient at all. They just bounce that sucker out. I understand it because the old line sucked. You want to get out of there. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm going to say mine, Vincent. If you have a disagree, if you, if you think no. it's something else, just jump in. Offensive line-wise, it's a really just about physicality. Yes, there's technical issues, but none of that crap matters. If they're not physical, it won't matter. Mm-hmm. Defensive line, counter moves. Linebackers and safeties both, tackling. Tackling, 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 tackling. Finishing. I, I would say yes. finishing. But yeah. that, I mean, yeah, that, that I was yeah. going to finishing for those yep. guys. Yeah. Cornerback, it's playing the ball down the field. And I'm not someone who's like, look to the ball, but they don't need – they either need to look back for the ball and find it or you need to learn to, to play the hands better. You know, because there's two ways to play the ball. One is when he looks, you look, find the ball. Some people teach that. I personally don't love that. Uh, the the other one is play his hands. When he sh- Whenever he shoots his hands here or here, you shoot your hand right through it, right? And, and I, you know, either way. But either way, they got to play the ball better. I, Vince, any of the – and then with kicking, make your freaking kicks. <laughs> That's – I, I I will say I'm not as worried about the kicking game as everybody else. Yeah. I, that, that, I am. That, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there right now. Yeah. I, um, no, I I agree with a lot of what you said. Playing the ball for the defensive backs, I, I think they're plenty physical. I have no problem with their physicality. I, I think the DBs are very physical. But playing the ball in the air is going to be a big one. They they, they need. Mm-hmm. You know, they brought up the no fly zone. One of the one of the uh, the the question guys, and I I appreciate that. I like that. I think that's a great mentality. To have maybe look, I'm not going to be comparing them to the Broncos secondary like he did, but to have that no fly zone mentality, they can mm-hmm. learn a little something from Jaden Mickey in that regard, right? Right. I want that. I want Jaden Mickey's personality to be imminent, you know, you know, to, to all over those guys. That's that's what I want. Okay. Um, so I agree. Playing the ball is 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 huge for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say defense overall is is I would use the word finish. Like they need to be, yeah, because that's it. where tackling. Yes, yeah, they need that, to be for deal. Yeah, it's because explain what you mean that by that Vince beyond tackling. It's not just tackling, but it just there's more well, to it, it than that. It's it's flying to the football, which I think they they've done a better job of in the past. Uh, or I mean, I think they're doing a better job of that. But that team defense playing together, uh, you know, seeing and reacting faster, so you're finishing the play at that point. Uh, you know, all of those different things that all encompasses finishing around the football. And I think that's mm-hmm. a perfect example. If Notre Dame finished at the football in the, in the Fiesta Bowl, they win in a blowout. Yes. 
No question. J.D. Bertrand uh, just bringing down Spencer Sanders on first and 10. It would have made it second and 20, and there's no chance Oklahoma State converts at that point yes, in time. Absolutely agree. And they had uh, him They had him a few different times. Yes. But on that drive, it was 28-7. First play of the drive, I believe, and he ends up running scrambling for 20-some yards. And there wasn't a lot of time left. If you sack him there and you get the ball back, either A, you go up and it's 31 or 35 to 7 at halftime, or it's 28 7 at halftime and Notre Dame wins that game. Yeah. But yeah. when they made it 28 14, they start the second half with the ball. The next time you get the ball back, it's 28 21. It's a different ball game. Sure. And it's as simple as finishing at the ball. That is a, and, and we've heard Al Golden talk about that about the importance of that. So, mm-hmm. yes, that's a very good one, Vince. If you're going to encompass the whole defense in the right. one, a great, great point. Archer452, our resident Ohio State fan, hey. this is the one you were referring to earlier, Vince. Yeah, uh, he says, I think there are six games that are effectively guaranteed wins. I think six games could be losses, but I think Notre Dame most likely wins three or four of those, getting them to 10-2 and two or 9-3. and three. And look, that is a very logical approach to Notre Dame's schedule I mean I, I, I'm not saying I necessarily agree overall mm-hmm. but I'm saying it's a very logical I approach. would say there's more guaranteed that's the only thing I say there's more guaranteed right. ones on our schedule I don't think there's six that could be losses I really don't because that means yeah. that it could be six and six I don't yeah. I don't see that being the case in any I mean way. Marshall Cal Stanford UNLV Syracuse Navy and Boston College to me I just don't see how Notre Dame loses those games I, right. I just that you just named, right? I just was- don't see it. And yeah, and, and you could flip North Carolina and BC. I just, I don't see how those games are losable games. Again, could they be more competitive? Sure. But losing them, I just, I'd have a hard time with that. Yeah. But, but I appreciate the archers, yeah. like you said, I, he's a very level headed guy. And I yeah. said something a minute ago that I actually thought was very interesting. I'm, I'm not I, sure what to do with that because he is an Ohio State fan. So then I, I got to question all the sound decision making. I know, I know. He, he said he can get the New Year's six. Yeah. Uh, off of his back, look yeah. out. And I, I think that's yeah. appropriate. I like that. Yeah. We had a USC fan step in, Polamalu, and he said this. To be honest, I'm not sold on Grinch being uh, what we need. And then Archer said, Polamalu is an Ohio State fan. I can tell you that Grinch's time in Columbus was bad, and we weren't sad to see him leave for Oklahoma. I think what people have to understand about what Lincoln Riley is looking for in a defensive coordinator, it makes a lot of sense why he took Alex Grinch with him. Because Lincoln Riley doesn't care about having a defense that makes – teams holds team to 17 points or whatever he, he doesn't he just has proven that over and over again right. what he cares about is having a defensive forces turnovers and that's his key he he wants you to force her because he feels like if you can force a couple turnovers a game we'll outscore people and if you look at last year they they were 14th in the country in turnovers in 2000 and uh 2020 they were 18th in the country in turnovers and i think those are the teams you look at and say boy those those, those teams were were that's what he wants Right, that's what he wants. I think, and that's also why Oklahoma tends to get smoked in the big games, even sure. worse than Notre Dame. For all the talk about how Notre Dame loses yeah. big games, they've never had a game like LSU Oklahoma in 2019. I mean, that was they could have hung 90 on Oklahoma if they wanted to. I mean, yeah, that was that was one of the most embarrassing games I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but he because they, but they couldn't force they couldn't force Joe Burrow into mistakes. And right. when that happens, Oklahoma has no chance. Like in 2018, they couldn't force Tua into mistakes. And they could just never get – even though they had an elite offense with, to me, a special quarter. I mean, Kyler Murray in 2018 was special. Yeah. But the reason that team lost to Texas in the regular season and, and lost to Oklahoma, to Alabama in the postseason is because they just couldn't make stops. 
And that's one of my big issues with him. Uh, we have a super chat there or super sticker there from Ray Panconi. Ray, I appreciate Thanks, that Ray. very, very, very much. Got a super chat also from uh, Toe Jam. Freeman seemed very calm, almost too calm during the bowl game. Coaches have to find the approach that works for them without the luxury of time. How do you think he balances calmness and intensity? I don't think you're going to see him change that at all. I don't either. Uh, look, I, here. He is. Yeah. I, intensity comes in your preparation. Sure. Because nobody was worried about his intensity when they jumped on Oklahoma State 28 to 7. Right. Right. They came out of that thing on fire. It's like people are like, they you know, to freak out. They right. wanted in him yeah. yelling at the defense and getting in their faces isn't going to make them cover better or make better calls. Right. Uh, it's really intensity comes from preparation. And then the intensity comes from your sideline. Yes. Your sideline is where the intent it's your teammates kind of lifting you up. It's, it's your other coaches that are, that are bringing the intensity and those type of things. I want a head coach boss with you. That is calm. Yes. Unless his personality, I don't want Kirby smart to be calm because that's not who he is. Exactly. Right. That's, like you have to be who you are. You have to be who you are. Don't lose who you are. He doesn't need to be right. Brian Kelly. He doesn't need to be Kirby smart. He needs to be Marcus Freeman, whoever that is. And, from my interaction around him, I, I can't even say with him, but my interaction around he's a calm dude, right? But he he's gonna he's gonna get his guys where they need to be and they're gonna yeah. be just as intense as they need to be. Right. And I I think that's fine because I want him to be focused on what's going on. He's a very analytical guy, it feels right. like he's always studying, he's always thinking about what's coming next. And you can see that because when he gets down like on his knees. You know, like one of these, and he's like, he's just looking in right. at the game. He's thinking about it. He's intense, but he intense doesn't necessarily mean purple face Kelly. That does, right. you know, there's a different kind of intense, right? Right. So I think that's the biggest thing. He needs to be him and yeah. nothing else. And I think he'll be right. fine. Yeah. I agree, Vince. I, I I think you're. I think you're, again, intensity is something that you build during the week of practice. It's about yeah. your. It, it, that's that's why he focuses so much on competitiveness. Yes, exactly. That's where intensity comes from. Where yeah. you're, everything is a challenge for you. It's he not, had he had less than a month to, to instill that for the Oklahoma State game against a team that was one of the best teams in college football that year. Now he's had he's going to have nine months to get that going now before the Ohio State game, and that's why I say you can. And you know, Vince, and I've always been this way. I've always said I don't take a lot from bowl. I don't take a lot from what you learn about a team from bowl games. I think what's great about bowl games is the momentum you can have going into a season. That's real. But hey, they did this in a bowl game or that in a bowl game. I mean, that stuff to me only tells. I just I don't put a lot of stock in bowl games because it's so different. You have a month to prepare. Guys are opting out now. You're going to you know amusement parks before games and right. you know having bowling nights. I mean stuff that's not it's not like a normal regular season game. I just don't put a lot unless there's something on the line. I don't put a lot of stock in bowl games. They're fun. I like yeah. them. Right. Just, I, when I say don't put a lot of stock on, I just don't put a lot of evaluative stock on them. Like right. you know, hey, this team did this in a bowl. Whatever you know. Let me ask you a question. I know you've been in the booth most of your career as a coach, right? But how were you during game day? Like, were you depends the, on whether I was in the booth or I was down on the field. Okay, you'd be different. Okay. Yeah. When I was down on the field, I kind of viewed myself as the, the rah, rah, let's, let's, you okay. know, cause that was my role. Like I was the one talking to the group on the bench. I was the one that was like instructing like, Hey, let's go, let's focus. Let's get ready to go. When I was in the booth, it was, I had to be the calming voice. Hey, mm-hmm. look, we're fine. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to see. Now it doesn't mean I wouldn't like high five and stuff like that with other guys in the box, but like, you know, when talking to the players and acting to the players, it was like, hey, let's be calm. Like, now, I was intense during the week of practice. Yeah. My whole thing is if you don't have your team mentally ready to play by Saturday, it doesn't matter what you say in the locker room before the game. 
they're just not going to be ready to play. And that's yeah. kind of how I always looked at it. I was curious. Yeah, yeah, your intensity came Monday to Friday. Saturday okay. was about, you know, let's be, let's be executioners. You know what I mean? Like, let's go out there and get this job done. Okay. And I mean that in both ways. You know what I mean? I do. Dave Valensky with a super chat. Dave, thank you very, very much. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks, Dave. If Notre Dame does not join a conference and still stays independent, what happens when the conferences decide not to play conference games? Uh, because conference games. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say that didn't make a whole lot of sense. They decided to, not to play non-conference games because they're too big now. Who would Notre Dame schedule? Number one, why are we assuming that's going to be a thing? When has that ever been a thing in college football? I don't know that that's ever been a thing. I don't. I think what will happen is, is he, here's what I think people think. There's going to be like this 24-team conference, and they're just going to play each other for 12 games. And I just don't see that. I don't think that's going to happen. Right. Uh, there's no evidence of that. There's no push for that. I've never heard any of these teams say, hey, let's let's build the SEC up to 24 teams and play no one. Right. They'll say, no, we'll play the Big Ten. But even then, they'll they'll find some other teams to schedule. Yes. Outside your conference and always will. Correct. Correct. So now if we get to that point, Dave, to to put you know credence to your question, if you get to that point in time where that's the thing, that's one of the criteria we've always said we think would potentially cause Notre Dame to get there because then there is no path to a championship because you can't schedule all enough. But I don't see that being a thing. I, I don't think that brings any value to those leagues. I don't think that brings any TV value to those leagues. Cause here's the thing, this is all about TV. And once you kind of shut everybody else out, then a lot of the country stops paying attention that you want to pay attention. Right. So then it's just teams that root for your, you know, just the people that root for your teams are the ones paying attention. So I don't see that happening, but if they get in that situation, then Notre Dame would join a conference. Those are one of the scenarios that we have yeah. said. Absolutely. Would result in Notre Dame being forced to join a conference, yes. but there's no discussion of that right now, Vince. And that's the thing is like, there's a lot of things that Notre Dame fans are assuming are going to happen because right. of all this that just aren't aren't they're not in the conversation like, at the moment. I mean, right. yes, could um, crazy things happen in the future? Yeah, they could. And at right. that point, the Notre Dame will adjust and they'll do whatever they have to do. Again, I will say I've said it. I said it a bunch last night when we were talking about it on the IB Sports Nation show or IB Nation Sports Talk show. Notre Dame will stay independent for as long as they can, okay, when it comes to access to the college football playoff, you know, and access for their Olympic sports, okay? They're going to stay independent as long as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. When they are forced to join a conference, okay, and and by forced, I mean no access to being a national mm-hmm. champion. When they are forced, there is going to be a bidding war, okay? they, they Both conferences or all three con- – whoever's in the mix to get Notre Dame, there will be a bidding war. Notre Dame will never lose their leverage. They will be able to join whatever conference they want to. And at that point, I'm driving up the price and I'm going to join whatever conference makes me the happiest if I'm Notre Dame. And by happiest, I mean all the criteria and money is definitely right. those things. That's right. the way I see it going down. We are so far away right now from Notre Dame being in a position where they're forced to join a conference. Now, that doesn't mean that Notre Dame might not decide that now is the time to join a conference. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is we have an intel. We have some intel that we put on the message board yesterday, Vince. I don't know if you had a chance to read that uh, about some of the things that I've heard. And and basically, it's that Notre Dame has not lost its desire to join a conference. And and as of right now, I just don't think that's um, is is going to be the case. So. Uh, barring something that we have not seen or do not know yet, then I just don't see that being the case as of right now. But if they get to that point, then they'll join a conference and they'll still have the leverage because then there'll be a bidding war between the conferences for who wants Notre Dame. 
telling you, they will never. Everybody's yeah. worried about Notre Dame losing their leverage. Good luck. Right. <laughs> I just don't see right. that being. I'm you sorry. know, an, another thing that doesn't get talked about when you look at Notre Dame's opponents is they say, well, you know, Notre Dame overhauled their schedule. Well, so did a lot of their opponents. Ohio State has basically a brand new defensive coaching staff, brand new offensive line coach. Uh, Ohio Clemson also is another team that completely revamped its coaching staff this offseason, Vince. And when you look at Clemson, I mean, I'm, I'm they, yeah. they have a new off, offensive line coach, <laughs> new offensive coordinator, uh, you know, because uh, uh, Tony Elliott left to become the head coach of Virginia. Oh, that's right. I forgot about yep. that. Yep. Uh, Brent Venables left to become the head coach at Oklahoma. And you've got a completely brand new staff. So Brandon Streeter was on the staff, but he was their quarterback's coach, and he's now their offensive coordinator. Okay. Uh, they have Thomas Austin, his new offensive line coach. I do not believe he was a full-time coach last year. Their play caller on defense, Wes Goodwin, like three years ago was like a personal assistant to like to uh, Bruce Arians with the Cardinals. I don't mean that like as a coaching assistant, not like he was like running around like typing notes, but like he was like, you know, he's working that kind of thing. Right. His, you know, yeah, he, but you know, and he's now their D coordinator. You know, you you look at a lot of the different coaches they are like, they got a bunch of former players. So like one, two, five of their coaches are former players. Another one of their coaches is someone who played with, Mickey Kahn played with Dabo Sweeney at Alabama. So a lot of connections, right? So it's either going to go really well because he hired a bunch of people he knows or he right. hired a bunch of, you know. I, I would I would caution some of yeah. that. You know, I, I would give him a – he's like it feels like he's taking a page out of the Brian Kelly coaching, right. like hiring of coaches. Right, which right. Now, you know, again, so you, you know, Clemson has an off a guy who's never called a game before, right? Oh, I'm sorry. He called games at Richmond. The spiders. Apologies. Yeah. Uh, Wes Goodwin has called one game in his career from 2018 to 21. Uh, their current defensive coordinator for Arizona was the senior defensive assistant, which means he had an off field role. Right. It was 2017. So it was longer than three years ago. 2017. He was the assistant to the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. And I believe Bruce Arians was their head coach. Really, that is accurate. And so that's their decor. That's who replaced Brent Venables. And 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 some people are worried about Al Golden at Notre Dame. <laughs> right. Right. So, right. you know, it just, yeah, anyway. So, uh, Pat, and the reason I, Patrick, o, Pat, Potatoes O'Brien brought that up, and I wanted to speak yeah. to that. And I forgot to pull his question up as we talked about that. But that's where that came from is, yeah, Notre Dame's not the only team that's overhauling their staff. Now, the advantage Ohio State has is it's still the head, same head coach. It's still the same decision makers on offense and stuff like that and their defense needed an overhaul right and so uh but again Notre Dame's not the only team that's got a lot of players who are learning a lot of new things Connor Patton it's your boy Vince yes Connor what's up my man he says didn't USC have a really bad recruiting class a couple of years ago will that hurt them this year I think it'll hurt them more than people think and one of the responses I heard was, I saw was, well, no, it'll, it'll be fine because they brought in like 20 transfers. <laughs> I, I don't think the transfer thing is is as great as I think some people are going to make it out to be. Because I, I don't think it's good for a team in football to have a completely turned over roster. And they, USC has a completely turned over roster. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cohesiveness that kind of goes into that. And again, a lot of the guys they brought in were dedicated towards a couple positions. They brought yeah. in a lot of receivers. Right. Not just Jordan Addison, but they brought in Mario Williams and Brendan Rice from Colorado. They brought in Tyrell Bynum from Washington. They brought in running backs. They brought in uh, some DBs. They hardly any linemen on the other side of the ball. 
and they're losing linemen yeah. and recruiting trail too. Right. Like, right. And, and they have not recruited well recently, yeah, right. which is where the depth comes from. Correct. And I think that's, what's going to hurt USC is they're not going to be a very deep team across, especially in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're worried about Notre Dame's depth at some skill positions, which is not good, but I'd rather have no depth in the skill positions than the more physically impactful positions like linebacker, D-line, running back, and and offensive line especially. So, yeah, I think those recruiting classes are going to be a problem for USC, and I don't think you can just fix them with one offseason of transfers. Now, will USC be better this year? Way better. Yeah, no doubt. They're not going to be 4-8 and again. No. I think, to me, like 8-4 and is kind of their floor. It's just they're not going to be this elite team, in my opinion, that everybody thinks they are unless – I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I mean, Oklahoma last year wasn't that kind of team, and they were a far more stable program with a lot of the same players we're talking about, you know, counting on this year that were part of that team. I just just, I don't see it. From Salty Virginia Peanuts, question, what changed with the great one to bring his commitment forward? I don't think he visited UT after canceling his official visit a few weeks ago, but did I miss something? No, I just look, I've been trying to drop hints about this for a couple weeks, right? And I just felt all along from everything I was hearing that he was going to decide. And we were told about five days ago that he was going to commit the 15th, which is why I was hinting in yesterday's show. Don't be surprised if, you know, he changes things. But I didn't want to just come out and say it because that's not my moment. It's his moment. And so I just don't I don't think it was anything necessarily changed as much as it's just a over time. He just kind of what kept waking up in the morning and being like, this is the move. And that's what I said it would be right. It's he's just going to keep waking up every morning and be like, it's Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame because Notre Dame was clearly his favorite school. It right. just, you know, he was being thoughtful and being methodical like a lot of Notre Dame kids are. And I want to see how the offenses play out. But every he kept waking up every morning and being like, this is the move. And, you know, he, he's gotten no Braylon James really well. And I think. He just realized, like, okay, I'm, I got to show a little bit of faith here, right? right. And and you know, trust that they're going to get this thing rolling. And they got CJ Carr now and all. Because you got to remember, Jaden Greathouse is, understands the value of a great quarterback because he was playing with Kate Klubnik in the last few years. You know what I mean? <laughs> I so um, yeah, so he understands the importance of having a great quarterback. And I think yeah. having CJ Carr, I don't know if this is directly true. This is me just kind of reading my, you know, just reading the situation. Um, I think it's it's I think it's one of those things where I think I think that is one. Don't be shocked if if the presence of of CJ Carr helped that a little bit. Again, that's just 100 percent Brian Driscoll's opinion. Uh, but we'll have to we'll have to see right now. Yeah. Paul Rose, Brian, I know and I'm paying up. But do you think our D line and O line can and will dominate the trenches versus? <laughs> that's a little inside joke. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you think our D line and O line can and will? Uh, can they? Yes, they can, can. They can dominate the trenches. Will they? That's a different challenge, especially sure. on the other side of the ball. I have, I have faith that Notre Dame's def- offensive line can dominate Ohio State. I think that the defensive line can dominate Ohio State, but I think Ohio State's got a good offensive line. I think Ohio State's offensive line is a little bit overrated by some, but it's still good. You know, Paris Johnson's a talented kid. Dewan Jones is solid. You know, Luke Whipple's a really nice center. You know, uh, I think Matthew Jones is going to start at guard. He's a veteran guy. I mean, they'll have a good offensive line, but I think Notre Dame just has better players. And so I think they can dominate in the trenches. Do I think they will? That's not going to be an easy task. This isn't USC, right? This isn't this isn't a team that has lacks talent. I think Notre Dame has better talent. 
if in order to dominate USC, Notre Dame just has to play their game in the trenches. They just have to play their game. Right. In order to dominate Ohio State in the trenches, they have to play their best game. Best game. I agree. And that's the difference. You know, so they just have to play well enough to somewhat negate the skill advantage. That's really what it boils down to for me. Michael S., thank you so much for the Super Chat, Michael. He says, who are the top three O-line coaches? Who are the top three O-linemen? And who have the top three 22 O-line recruits? He's digging deep on this one. Holy smokes. Who are the top three offensive line coaches? I would I would say my opinion, Harry Heastan, Kyle Flood, and Bill Bedenball from Oklahoma. I think those are the three – are the three best in my opinion. I think those just – of one, I know there's other good coaches out there, but I think those are the three for me that have the the proven track record. They've all won Joe Moore awards, I think, uh, but also just long term, just producing great lines year after year. So on the ability to, sure. to lose players and still have a great line to recruit at a high level. And they've all proven that they're all technicians. Their teams play physical football to a degree. Ben Ball's offensive lines aren't as physical as Kyle Floods and, and Harry Heastans, but that's more of a Lincoln Riley thing than it is him. I think he would like that, but just the nature of the scheme doesn't allow you to, I mean, it's a lot of G scheme and a lot of, you know, a lot of wraps and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily geared towards being just blow him off the line. Technical. Um, But what he's, what his offensive coach wants him to do, they did it an elite level on the offensive line. And like there was one year they lost like four starters. It was like Orlando Brown. I mean, they lost like four stars, their offensive line. And they came back the next year and they weren't quite as good, but they were still really good on the offensive line. And that's the mark of a great coach is you can lose all that talent and still put a pretty good product on the field. And that's why I said, if Jeff Quinn is the coach that some Notre Dame fans of Brian Kelly said he is losing starters, shouldn't have meant you sucked. Maybe you weren't as good as you were in 2020, but you shouldn't have sucked. And they sucked last year. So I think those are my three. Those are my three top offensive line coaches. Who are the who are the top three offensive lines? Michael, I couldn't give you an answer on that one with um, with any kind of confidence because there's a lot of teams I still have to watch. Sure. You know, I think Notre Dame's going to have a really good offensive line. I think by the end of the year, Ohio State could have a pretty good offensive line. I think Oklahoma, bed and ball state at Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's offense, um, their new offensive coordinator, Jeff Lebby, came from Lane Kiffin's system. They like to run the football. I think Oklahoma's going to have a really good offensive line this year. Uh, BYU should have a pretty darn good offensive line this year. So there's some good units. Michigan brought brings a lot back from last year. They should have a pretty decent offensive line. But, yeah. Michael, honestly, there's a lot of teams I still have to study that I'm just not familiar with. So I'll tell you some teams I like but I'm not going to rank them yet because I just have to break them down more. We'll do something like that as we get closer to the season. And I've been able to pop in some film and look at who's coming back for everybody and have a better sense of that. But those are some teams that I think are going to be some of the better lines. Like I, I, I know Georgia lost some guys, but I'm not quite sure how many they have coming back. And I know their O-line coach retired. So, I mean, I'd have to study them more. They had a pretty good offensive line last year. Uh, but those are some of the different uh, – the different ones I like. So here's a two-parter for this next one, Vince. Okay, so Chris Hearn, Brian and Vince, I noticed something very small in the bowl game, but to me, it stood out like a sore thumb. Anytime an Irish player was tackled on the sideline near Marcus Freeman, he immediately helped them up. That was something you never saw from BK. Love what Marcus Freeman brings to this program, and I'm very confident in where this program is headed. Go Irish. All right, I'm going to stick up for Brian Kelly a little bit on this one. Oh, I'm out. Brian Kelly's a little dude. 
And I don't mean to disrespect. Brian Kelly's like 5'8", five, 5'7". Five, he's, he, he's not a big He's dude. a little yeah, guy. I, I'm, I don't think – I mean, and again, I, I, I think it's also, you know, when when Marcus Freeman was was – he was still sort of in D coordinator mode last year in the bowl game. In, in, in a lot of ways, you know, it, it takes time. I, I don't want to, I don't want to put that on Kelly. I don't think that's indicative. I mean, look, I think, you know what I think of Brian Kelly, Chris, right? I mean, everybody knows what I think of Brian Kelly. That I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bang him for that one. I mean, like he's a little fella. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't want him walking up to him. Marcus Freeman still looks like he could be playing linebacker. You know what I mean? Ohio State. I mean, he's, he's a in shape, built strong dude. Brian Kelly's almost 60 years old and five, seven, five, eight. And I'm not saying those things to insult him. Lou Holtz is small. Yeah. Right. Right. It's just a reality. I don't know how effective he would be trying to help up, you know, Isaiah Foskey off of the ground. You know what I mean? Like, I so I'm just not going to go dry, there, but yeah, I'm not gonna go there. but I hope, I mean, if you're right, that'd be great. But I, but, but to the second point, you know, I, I, I love what he brings to the program too. The bigger thing is, is every time I talk to a source, someone related to the players or other people around the program. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of excitement because they, they believe that they have a coach that has their back. Yeah. And, and now that doesn't mean they're not going to get pushed. Right. Sure. They are going to get pushed and, and great players want to be pushed. That's part of giving a rip is I want you to ride me. I want you to, to get right. on me, but also want you to, to know that you're doing it because you want the best for me on and off the field. And I think Marcus Freeman brings that the kids believe that about him and, the more and more he does it, the, the more and more kids, the, the more and more sure. kids will believe in him. Michael S. Thanks for the super chats. Why did Notre Dame have so much trouble with mobile quarterbacks last year? Was it Freeman's scheme? What do they need to do to change that? Michael, I don't know if this is the first time you've watched Notre Dame football. But <laughs> a lot longer than last year. <laughs> I mean that with all due respect, Michael. But Notre Dame's defenses have struggled with mobile quarterbacks for years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, go back and watch the Louisville <laughs> game at the beginning of the 2019 season for a refresher. Uh, I think uh, specifically last year, though, I, I think that last year's team was not a good tackling team. The last two years, I didn't feel like Notre Dame was a good tackling team, especially. I mean, there's been years yeah. in the past, 2019, they weren't great. But I really felt like the last couple years especially, they were not a good tackling team. And I think that when that happens, you're even at – you're. you're it, you're going to get exposed the most at quarter if, if you have an athletic quarterback. And I think part of it too is there were some gap discipline issues last year that we we discussed. And at times, you know, like like a guy would kind of go here and it's like, no, nope, that's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And, you know, a guy runs through for a, right. for a big play. Right, like right, I saw right. that against uh, Sam Howell. And, and so I think that's part. And the other part of it too, honestly, in, in, in like the North Carolina game, I, I think they were kind of willing to let Sam Howell run it. Because if he was running it, it means he wasn't throwing it. Throwing it, yeah. And it means Josh Downs didn't have the football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what Seriously, I mean? yeah. Um, because but, when you're uh, – I, I think it, it it bears some explanation here. Sometimes when you're playing an offense, you can't stop everything. And so you have to pick, kind of pick and choose, all right, what's going to hurt us the most? We need to put the most attention there. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say, okay, well, you know what, Sam, go ahead and beat us with your legs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they didn't. And, and that ended up being a good decision. Mm-hmm. So – there is a bit of that, but I will mm-hmm. also say that I have not been happy overall with Notre Dame's defense against mobile quarterbacks. They they right. do scare me, and it and yeah. until they prove me wrong or prove differently, I'm going to be worried when Notre Dame plays a mobile quarterback. Here's the thing: their top two opponents this year, neither one of them are overly mobile quarterbacks. And there you go. Yeah, now, that's they, a good point. they tried to make DJ 
Ooh, Ooh, young Lalele. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was man. close. You're there. You're there. I was close. They <laughs> tried to make him a runner last year, and he's just not. He's just not. Uh, no, he's not. He's a big and, dude, and yeah. he doesn't go down easily. And but he he's can not a he can run like yeah. he can like move, but he's not a mo- overly mobile. Uh, C.J. Stroud also isn't a a much of a runner either. If you look at his numbers last year, he ended up with a whopping minus 20 yards on 32 carries last year for for ohio state i mean so he, he you know he can tuck it and move the chains but he's not a guy that you're gonna look at and be like oh wow right, like you're right. you know you're worried about that guy taking off and running he he's a decent athlete but he's not but they're not gonna be doing right. they're not gonna be doing you know zone right. reads with him they're not gonna yeah. be having getting him outside the pocket yeah. and giving him the option to run that could be a potentially bigger issue yeah. against like uh, North Carolina is probably going to have a really mobile quarterback this year, depending on who starts. Syracuse is going to have a really mobile quarterback this year. Boston College is going to have a pretty mobile quarterback this year. Um, I mean, Stanford's quarterback's a statue. Uh, BYU's quarterback's a pretty mobile kid. DJ is not, to me, someone that I'm overly concerned about. I mean, you know, as far as avoiding pressure and things like that. Um, right. So that's the nice thing, too, is uh, you get into the postseason, Georgia's not going to have necessarily – an I mean, Stetson Bennett's a decent athlete. He doesn't scare me as a runner. Bryce Young's not much of a runner. You know, the nice thing is, is I mean, I think the only team with a really dynamic run-throw type of quarterback is probably the, is, is USC. They have a guy that can run, who's dangerous with his legs, and Caleb Williams. That's it. That's really the only one. Um, but, yeah, I think the nature of that offense makes it a little easier to defend his legs because you don't, you're not going to be as concerned about the run, in my opinion, right. because of that. So. All right. Got a couple more before we get out of here. Derek Jankart. I don't know, Brian. I watched a lot of Ohio State last year. Both lines looked butter soft. So that comment was about could Notre Dame dominate in the trenches. Derek, I don't disagree with you. I mean, and that's one of the things we've said about Ohio State. That's what gives is, us, you know. Right, because if you look at the two games they lost last year, they got dominated in the trenches, especially, especially their defense. I mean, they're off. They scored twenty-seven and 28, two, 28 points in those two games, and and to me, I, I think when I look at this year's offensive line makeup, I think it's going to be a little bit more athletic. I think Paris Johnson at left tackle over Nicholas Pettit Ferrer is going to be a more mobile guy. He's going to be more athletic. Uh, you know, you're going to be. A, it's very experienced. Dewan James is huge. Matthew Jones is a big kid. You know, get Luke Whipler back. I mean, it's just, and the other thing too is they are, they're going to be coached by a more physically oriented guy. They're getting a sure. Steve Adazio disciple. Now, will that matter in the opener? I don't know. Good question. We'll see. Uh, you know, but then you could say the same thing about Notre Dame, who's going to have new line coaches in the opener. All I'm saying is, is it's, they, they can, but it's not like USC where they just don't have talent. Right. That's the difference. I, I do think Ohio State's a little bit soft. What we're going to find out this year is if that was just sort of a, an anomaly type of thing. Or if that's just a trend of of who this coach is, because I would argue the same thing. In 2020, they weren't an overly physical team. 2019, right. a little <clears> closer, <throat> but that was that more because they were physical in nature, or because they just had a freak like Chase Young who just was really dominant. Right. So right. I do think that's a legitimate question, but I think that is partly why Ryan Day made some of the coaching changes he made was to bring out more of that from his football team. I mean, you don't go hire Justin Fry if you want to be a passive football team, in my opinion. Now, the difference is, is can you then implement that if, you know, like you can want that, but it, can you implement that on how you go about your business every day? Vince, sure. you and I both know you may want 
to be physical, but being physical isn't just as hire a good old line coach. You've got to structure your entire personality around that mm-hmm. being brought out on a daily basis. And yep. to me, that's a that's a that's a legitimate question. It's how you coach them. It's right. how it's the drills that you run. It's the emphasis. It's right. what you emphasize, right. right? And that's right. That's the biggest thing. And so that's my point. They have to play really well. Michigan played really well against Ohio State last year. They didn't just roll out and just out physical them because they showed up. They played at a high level on both sides of the ball and dominated them mm-hmm. in the trenches. And that, that's different than just being just better than the guy you're going against. That's the difference for me. Uh, so I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just think – I still think that doesn't change the notion that Notre Dame still has to kind of go out and play well right. to dominate. Oh, no, yeah. They're not just going to – it's not going to be like USC in 2017 where they're just a soft team and they just didn't uh, have a lot of talent and they just that quit. Was, that was fun. That, Ohio State's not going to quit like USC did in 2017. I can promise you that. Chris Basker, thanks for the super chat. Could Notre Dame flip Vizina from Clemson if they wanted to? I don't think so. No, no. I think a lot of this comes from the notion there was a report out there supposedly. Yeah, I remember this. Uh, that people thought that he was going to pick Notre Dame if he visited and all this kind of stuff. And, and I, I never bought it at the time. I thought he liked Notre Dame, but I always thought Clemson was the team to beat. His dad and, and Dabo Sweeney have known each other since they were in college, I believe. Oh, okay. And so there's a family connection there yeah. uh, that I just think would be hard to do. Plus, Notre Dame passed on him. I mean, he he's going to know that. And one thing he said when he before he committed to Clemson was, Clemson's the one school that never that always treated me like I was their number one guy. Mm-hmm. Bama, he wasn't. You no, know, they wanted Arch. Uh, I'm trying to think. Well, some of the other schools he looked at that that wanted Arch, and then you know Notre Dame wanted Dante and all that. So I, I just that means something. I think it'd be I think it'd be tough. It'd that be means tough something. One. Yeah, last couple here. I think we're getting close to the end. Jack Layson says, did you guys see that Joel Klatt and Colin Cowherd yesterday? Klatt said the only school the Big Ten will take right now is Notre Dame. Every other school out there takes away more than they add. Well, I don't agree with the last part. I think there's a reason that Ohio State really wants to get – I mean, the Big Ten really wants to get the, one of the Carolina, you know, North Carolina and Virginia because there are some markets down there. Uh, that they'd like to get into. But, uh, you know, I think the Big Ten, if they're smart, are going to be patient with this. There's no need to rush this decision. You know, you're not getting USC for a couple years. There's no need to, well, Notre Dame, you have a week, and if you don't decide, we're going to go bring right. in Oregon and Washington. Like, you know, that that's the thing is, like, I I, I agree with them to some degree. I, I don't I don't agree with them overall. I think that that too many people, and, and we were on a show last night with Max Torres at Ducks Digest, and, and he kind of made this point. And I, the thing I pushed back on him is, is you got to stop looking at how good the football programs are because that's not what's driving these decisions. It's all about TV markets. Yes, exactly. And and getting into certain regions of the country you want to be a part of. And to me, they want to get into that mid-Atlantic. The Big Ten wants to get in that mid-Atlantic. They have a southern team now, right? Uh, or they have southwestern teams now, right? You've got Texas and Oklahoma. You know, you've got – the West coast now that the, where they are not is they're not in the Southeast. And I think they would like to, to get in there as best they can. So, you know, that's where you could see a, a North Carolina, you know, maybe they try to steal Miami or something like that. Who knows? Uh, you know, but, but I think those are some of the different aspects that I look at and say, that's what you have to be thinking. Stop looking at how they are as football programs and start looking at how big of a TV, TV market are they and what kind of, fan base that they have that teams are going to want to be a part of. Like that's one of the reasons a lot of the PAC 12 teams are just not attractive. So yeah, they're in a big TV market, right? But are they foot, are they college football fans? That's the difference. Like right. a lot of the Notre Dame, a lot of the PAC 12 teams are in big cities. 
You know, San Francisco is is basically the home of Stanford and Cal, basically. You know, uh, Seattle is where Washington plays. Uh, Portland's not that far from Oregon. It's a decent-sized market. It, you know, the, the two Arizona schools are near Phoenix, which is, I think I read, is like the 11th biggest TV market in the country right and, now. And and growing. Right. Denver is 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 a big market. But but they just don't give a crap about college football. Right. Look, I lived in Denver. They do not care about Colorado or Colorado State. They don't. They care about one football team, and that's it. It's the Broncos. Right. So I don't care how big the market is. It's not a college football market. And that's what you have to look at. And, and and then also, what are the fan bases like? You know, like, are you going to be selling out your stand? Like, one of the attractive aspects of, and I read this today in The Athletic, it was a really good point that was made in the article, is part of the reason the Pac-12 wants Big 12 teams is because the Big 12 teams travel well. Yeah. Where the Pac-12 teams really don't. Because there's a – unless you're from the West Coast, and, and, and I'm, I'm saying this because my wife is and I know people from there – Unless you're from there or know people there, I don't think you realize how apathetic they are towards sports in general, but right. especially college sports. And it's been that way for a long time, you know. And unless they're good, like really good, that's like if USC is great the next three years, they will you'll you'll think they have the most loyal fan base in America. Of course, because the they're first bandwagon. year they go seven and five, they stop giving a crap. Yeah, exactly. That's just absolutely how correct. So, and you know, Stanford fans don't care no matter how good their team is. <laughs> and that's the sad part because they had some really, really good teams. Uh, I want to respond to this from Brandon, Brandon Plensner. He says, yeah, my point is Vizina was not Clemson's top target. He's talking about they wanted Arch. The thing you have to understand, Brandon, is you're looking this from a logical standpoint. That's not how you spin it. Clemson was never a player for Arch. They never kind of got into where they were recruiting only Arch and he was their number one target and all. They never got there with him. Of course they wanted Arch. There was other quarterbacks they had. But when they started recruiting Chris Vizina, they treated him like number one because they knew they weren't going to be much of a player with Arch. Sure. And so they were able to tell him that whether they wanted Arch or not. Now, if right. Arch would have been interested, then you know maybe it's a different story. But in the world of Chris Vizina, the story is they were they were ne- they never were that way. That's you got to understand because he doesn't follow recruiting like you do. All right. That's the thing that you have to understand is to them to him they were they were there so uh, that's just kind of how you have to see it and no i if you ever ask hey did you guys see joel clatt and colin coward nine out of ten times my answer is gonna be no, no so just tell no. me what they said and we'll, yeah and then we'll, we'll, we'll respond into. to it yeah exactly. i like joel clatt I, I just can't stand colin coward just, uh, that makes know. two of us yeah yeah Corey d thanks for the super chat appreciate it who are the three biggest brands in college football not great not greatest programs, but biggest brands. Okay. Notre Dame, Texas. And then I think you're in the running for like Michigan, Ohio State. I Alabama. think Ohio State is clearly third as far okay. as a brand. I, again, because brand is more of your reach. No, I get you it. Know? I, think, right. I think Ohio State probably be in there. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I Michigan, Michigan's more of more Michigan's brand is more all encompass all encompassing as opposed to just college football. Okay, so we're but we're talking about football brand, right? That's what that's why Michigan's not in there for me. Okay, whereas like, oh, what's Ohio State known for? Football, college football. Yeah, no doubt. With Michigan, it's you know it's basketball. It's all these other things, right? And and they still try to live in this world of you know being an academic institution and all that kind of stuff. I, I I think. You know, and again, I don't. I don't know if Bama's a brand because here's the thing: if Bama stops being good at football, do they still carry a lot of power? They are a football powerhouse. I don't think they're a huge brand. 
You know what I mean? And there's a difference. No, Brand I, is, are you going to find fans of that team everywhere? Is there is there financial, you know, places there? And, and that's just not true at Bama. You know, like USC's not a brand. I mean, USC is not a brand outside of California. No. I mean, they're, they're, well, they're, outside of just their football tradition, but yeah. it's not a huge brand. And so again, branding is about financial power. That's what brand means, in my opinion. Sure. And to me, I don't think it's overly. I think Michigan could maybe, maybe at least be in a conversation. But honestly, for me, off the top of my head, I can't think of three bigger brands than the ones we mentioned: Notre See, Dame, Texas, and Ohio State. And here, here, here would be my test. I would just take logos of the schools and show them to people who don't follow college football at all, right. like, or show them the helmet, whatever. Yeah, yeah, like something that would represent that school. Like for my wife, for example, mm-hmm. just she would have no idea who a lot of these. Hold it up, tell me who they are. And if she can tell me who they are, they got a big brand. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, and that that's just an example. But that's branding to me. It's people who don't follow the sport that right. know who they are for that reason. Right. You know what I mean? That's that's how that's where I would go. Yeah. And, and, and it's all financial. Right? I mean, that's the thing you have to oh, understand is it's, yes. it's all financial. And then, and like the thing about Notre Dame, Notre Dame could go play a game anywhere in the world and it just, it, like, they people know where Notre Dame they played is. in Japan, Brian. Yeah, so, I yeah. Mean, I'm, <laughs> right. And, and and people have to understand that, right? Yeah, and, right. You know, they play in Ireland. They're right. playing, you know, and Ohio yeah. State's brand comes. I mean, Ohio State's got a bit of, but Ohio State's brand is because Ohio is just such a huge school, and it and very it, large. It, you know, it's just it's a it's a it's a unique it's a unique thing, right? It's a very unique thing. Uh, so you know, we'll have to kind of see how that. That's a great that, question, Corey. Yeah. We could do a whole show. I, I would that. say I would probably put Texas over Ohio State for number two. I would too. Oh, yeah. I would too. Yes. Tech yeah. ND Texas was my one, two. Yeah. And you, I mean, yeah, those are my one, two, yeah. no question. Yeah. So I just, yeah. And, and again, if Bama goes through a three year stretch where they're not good, they lose. They, they're just, they're not, they're yeah. not relevant. Texas and Notre Dame haven't been good for a long time. And they're still like, why, why did the SEC pursue, pursue Texas? And been relevant in football since like oh nine. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? It's because it's not about that. It's about the brand. And because they do have that Austin Dallas area, it's a huge yeah. financial market, right. you know, and it's a it's a it's known everywhere. There's right? a reason there's oil they have money the long, and all these other kinds of there's a reason yeah. they have the Longhorn network, right? Yeah. I mean, it just is, you know, whether it was a successful thing or not, there's still a reason for it. Yeah. Yep, here we go. We had a few more pop up while we were we were doing this. Uh, here we go. Here's another one from Derek. Derek, thank you very much for the super chat. I agree with your counter argument to the Ohio State lines. They have talent. It seems the physicality of Ohio State has waned since uh, Urban Meyer left. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I think that's very accurate. Again, I I don't I'm not arguing that Ohio State's a physical football team. Um, all I'm saying is I think Ryan Day would like them to be more physical. That's why sure. he fired his offensive line coach and right. and brought in Justin Fry. My question is is does he is he going to create an institute an institute a, a philosophy on a day to day basis that makes them physical? I don't know. Right. Uh, but you know it just it just I I don't again I don't disagree with you and, and I felt that way about Oklahoma. I've made this argument about Oklahoma. The further they got along away from Bob Stoops, the less physical they were and the less effective they were really running the football in big games. Sure. That's just reality. Yeah, right. And 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 because Bob Stoops instilled that and Lincoln Riley lived off of it a little bit, we're going to find out this year if Ryan Day is that or not. Because I, I, I still think there's some questions about Ryan Day. Is, as you get further away from Urban, can you can you be better than what you were under that under Urban? That's going to be a legitimate question. You know, because he's still kind of living in that area where – and I'm not saying this is right or fair. It's just the reality where – there's going to be questions of, okay, are, you're still, I mean, you still have kids on your team that were kind of urban guys, you know, urban recruits, you know, or, 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 or were influenced by urban recruits and the urban mentality and coaches and stuff like that. I don't know if that's necessarily fair. Cause I think urban was more of a problem than he was a positive his last couple of years, just for all the off the field crap and everything else. But I think that's the knock. So he, if he can get that back roll, you know, back on top, then I think it's going to show sure. that, um, you know, that you, you've kind of taken that next step. Right. So, all right, here we go. Michael with another super chat. Thank you very yeah. much. Who are the top O-line recruit classes this year so far? I mean, honestly, I, I don't know if there's, if there's really, if I'm in a situation right now where I could even, even really tell you, mm-hmm. uh, because there's just aren't a lot of teams that have, filled up line classes. I mean, right. obviously Notre Dame right now is the best line class in the country. They have about five uh, guys. I mean, you know, Ohio state has three, four star kids. That's a decent line class. I don't, you know, I don't love it, but it's going to be ranked high. Penn state has a couple highly ranked guys. They have two top 10 guys, Alex Birchmeyer and J- Javon Williams. And I really like Alex Birchmeyer a lot. Uh, I think he's a really talented player, you know, outside of that, uh, I don't really know if there are a lot of teams with great offensive line classes, to be honest with you, because it's just so early. And a lot of teams are still trying to fill up their line classes. Notre Dame tends to be, you know, they're kind of full. I mean, you know, right now they're, they're filled they're up. Full. Other yeah, teams they, are going to, you know, yeah, they got their five. Keep adding to it. So I'd say probably in my opinion, Notre Dame, Ohio state, Penn state are probably the three line classes. I like the best of the ones I'm aware of. Somebody in the chat could maybe point one out that they like better, but I mean, I don't know if I think Alabama may is like one O lineman maybe at right now. 
So I think those are the three that I would I would say are so. And I think Ohio State's is more. It's in there because of the rankings. I don't think a lot of their guys. Like I don't think Luke Montgomery is a top hundred player. I just don't. He's a good player. He's not a top hundred guy. I I don't think Austin Saraveld's a you know top two hundred guy. He's a good player. You know Josh Padilla. It's a little overrated for me. But they're still all good football players. It's just to me, it's not. It's not. It, I'm not taking Notre. Dame, I'm not taking their top three over Notre Dame's top three. Well, they're three over Notre Dame's top three at this point in time. And that's kind of where I'm at for this one. Last couple before we uh, before we get out of here. All right, Sarah McCoy, does the Big 12 Pac-12 merger matter? Well, they haven't announced that they're doing. Well, there's the 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 stuff today is that the Pac the Big 12 is looking to be aggressive and adding the two Arizona schools. Oh, I see. Colorado, Utah, uh, Oregon, and Washington. It matters to them because they're trying to stay. Rel- I think I mean, it would actually matter a lot. Yeah. I, I think I think that would if if the Big 12 can do that. I think, it, like, if I'm the Big 12 commissioner, here's what I'm doing. Because the ACC and the Pac-12 are trying to start some kind of, a, a, like, alliance, which, you know, how well that worked out when you had the Big Ten in it, where they're talking about, like, you know, playing a, a championship game against each other and all this other stuff. If I'm the Big 12 commissioner, this is what I'm doing. I'm rating the Pac-12. Because what you're doing Absolutely. is you are adding the Phoenix market, which, again, is a big market. Hopefully you can turn it into a college town. I think with, you know, I think there is a Texas influence in Arizona. So if you're playing some of those Texas schools, I think that might be more attractive to people in Arizona than playing Cal or Stanford or whatever. You know, Colorado is going to have, is going to be an interesting one because there's going to be a lot of old rivalries there that still exist there when they were in the big, big eight and big 12 in the past, you know, but you're also adding a big Denver market. Now, as I said before, it's not as impactful, but it doesn't hurt. You know, Utah, now you've solidified that that Salt Lake City market because you've got BYU and Utah. So you're – and when that game – I mean, that's – you're going to get some, you know, a, 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 there's a Mormon influence, especially in the Polynesian areas on the West Coast. Oh, big time, yeah. Where you see BYU and Utah have a lot of success, success recruiting, you're going to sure. see that also be a positive. And then, of course, you're adding Seattle to your sure. league. And then you're adding Oregon, who's a, who's a, a football brand. You know, even though they're not necessarily a big market, you're adding a football brand. Sure. So I think the other thing that that would do to be on the TV aspect of it is adding Seattle, adding Oregon and adding Washington and Utah would give the Big 12 what it doesn't have right now once Texas and Oklahoma leaves, and that is legitimate football programs that can go out there and compete with the big boys. Yeah. Sure. I mean, Oregon's twice played for the national title in the last 12 years, right? Twice. Uh, Utah has beaten Bama in a Sugar Bowl in the last 15 years. They've had several. They've had several top 10 finishes. They're a legit football team. Washington has a national championship history. Now they haven't been good recently, but there aren't a lot of teams in the Big 12 after them that could talk about being having national championships in their history, right? And then Colorado has some tradition too. So, but they, their football team stinks. But I think you'd have some markets that you'd add to the Big 12, and I think the other part of it is is you'd you take some really good football programs to a conference that right now doesn't have it. I mean, because what are you building your your brand around right now? TCU, right. Baylor, right. Oklahoma State. Well, and then they brought in a bunch BYU, of lower-tier teams. I mean, right. I, I've been, to be honest, right. I mean, nothing against Cincinnati. Right. but Lower-tier brands. Yeah, brands. Thank right. you. That's a really good way to put it. And right. I think if they do this, they're setting themselves up not to be right. dismissed. Right, because you have some legit football teams. I mean, you're adding what has arguably been the best – arguably, if you take the entire – now, they've had some ups and down years, but so has USC and so has Stanford. But from 2010 to 2021, I would argue that the best football team 
like the best football program overall the last since 2010 in the Pac-12 has been Oregon. Sure. Right? And so you're taking them. Washington was a playoff team five years ago, right? Utah has had several top 10 finishes in recent years. So you're adding football credibility, Vince, to your point, Absolutely. to a conference that, do, that that might have some markets but doesn't have football credibility. Right. I think, and then you, I mean, name me another conference in, in in right now that if they did that, that could say we have three playoff teams in our league. Right. The SEC, I think, is the only one, the only one that can do that. Right. Sure. Because the Big Ten has only had Notre has only had Ohio State. Michigan. And Michigan, right? None of the other Big Ten teams have made. Oh, Michigan State. Okay, so they 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 would so have they got three. three. The SEC has has had more than three, I think. Right? Al- no, have they Alabama, had three? Alabama, Georgia, Georgia, LSU, LSU. That's it. A and M hasn't made it. Florida hasn't made it. Tennessee hasn't made it. Yeah, so three. three. So they have the same number of playoff teams as they everybody would, else. They would position themselves better than the ACC. And the Pac-12. Well, see, that's the second thing that well, I'm going to do. Well, the Pac-12, I think, would go away at that right. point. I mean. Well, it, what I'm saying is you look at the reputation, right? Now people are oh, like, wait, okay. the Pac-12 should absorb the Big 12. No, 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 no. The Big 12 should absorb yes. the Pac-12. Now, that I agree with, 100%. Right. I, I, right. The, the, Pac, the, the Big 12 needs to absorb the top teams yes. out of the Pac-12. Yes, because the Pac-12, just nobody cares I about agree. the Pac-12. Right. Pac-12 fans don't really care about the Pac-12. Right, 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 right. And then what I'm doing, if I'm him, say, hey, you know that deal that you were talking about having with the Pac-12? We're, we're game. Yes. Absolutely. We'll work with you to try to help you survive. So you can come down in here and play some things with us. And and to me, I think those are the, that is what I would do if I was the Big 12 commissioner. Is I would work hard, hard to get those teams into your league. Plus I think that the Big 12 right now has a better TV deal than the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 has lost all negotiating power to get a bigger deal now that they lost the Arizona, the, the LA market. Cause see, now you take your Phoenix market, you take your Denver market, your Salt Lake city market and your Seattle market. And you move them into a conference that has Texas that has, has Houston has Dallas, you know, has Cincinnati, right. you know, has, you know, you've got a, a flavor in, in Florida now, although I don't think it's going to be super impactful, but I would say that's going to be a lot better than trying to absorb those. Cause people in, people in, in Texas are going to like playing Oregon. Mm-hmm. Right, they're like playing Washington, sure. Utah. There's the Colorado people in Washington are not going to give two rips about Oklahoma State coming out there to play a, a game against a bunch of Pac-12 teams. Right. So, meaning like if you take four or five big, you know, Big 12 teams and put them in the Pac-12, that doesn't do a whole lot for them. I think, and I think Utah is is has a more of a Big 12 feel to it. Yeah, you know what I mean. I like, I just I do, and there's. There's a rivalry that Utah has with several Pac-12 or Big 12 teams because they used to be in the Mountain West together. Remember, Utah and TCU have played some mammoth games in the last decade when they were in the Mountain West together. And obviously Utah and BYU play the Holy War. I mean, you'd have a built-in rivalry called the freaking Holy War, man. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And so you'd have Colorado would have some rivalries there because they used to be in a conference with, the, with these teams. It would make way more sense to do that. Then for the for the Big Twelve teams to leave for the Pac twelve, I think the Pac twelve commissioner is kidding himself if he thinks without LA market that they're at all attractive to anyone else. I agree, and and so if I'm the Big Twelve commissioner, I'm going to do whatever I can to, to get that done, and then I'm calling up the ACC and saying, no, you need to you need to get on board with us. Forget them. You need to get on board with us. Yeah, and we'll partner together. And and then all of a sudden, maybe Notre Dame might say, you know what? 
I think we might start scouting some of these teams. Sure. And then maybe Notre Dame's, you know, carry some way. Hey, look, Pac-12, we'll work with the ACC to merger with you, partner with you if you make me a promise. Go out and get bring in Stanford. Bring in Stanford and, you know, somebody else. Because the, there's a vested interest in Notre Dame, I think, to me, protecting Stanford a little bit so that mm-hmm. the academic school doesn't fall by the wayside because nobody wants Stanford. There's no monetary no. value in having no. Stanford. Nobody wants. The only, They're going to end up playing in the whack. I mean, meaning like their football team's going to be in the Mountain West, and, or and maybe their other sports playing the whack or something like that. I mean, because who, wh- what? What? Why would you want a football program where literally nobody gives a crap about yeah. your football team? Yeah, you know. So that's the team of all the Power Five teams. Stanford and Cal to me are in the most danger of being left out. Because who wants them? Oh, I completely agree. If the Pac-12, and, and this is why for them it's important that the Pac-12 stays alive. Because if the Pac-12 dissolves, who's going to want Stanford and Cal? Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. Ivy League? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> John Lacey says, rate your excitement for Tyler Buckner compared to your excitement for Wimbush coming into their first years as starters. Oh, uh, very similar. Yeah, Very I was, similar, except I, was I think really Tyler's a better Bush. thrower. Yeah, I, I, Tyler's I, a better thrower. I was really high on Wimbush when mm-hmm. <clears throat> before he started playing at Notre Dame. I I remember telling a buddy that I thought he was going to be the best Notre Dame quarterback in a really long time. I, I was really high mm-hmm. on Brandon Wimbush, and then he got screwed up um, with to almost no fault of his own, but whatever that that gets a little deeper. But going into the season. I want to say I was probably higher on Wimbush than I was on Tyler Buckner, but looking back on the way Wimbush ended up, I think Tyler Buckner's going to have a better career. But that's mm-hmm. the that's the luxury of hindsight. You know what I mean? I I thought Wimbush was the bet was the full package man going in. I was super pumped about him. Mm-hmm. Not to take away any excitement that I have for Tyler Buckner, but for whatever reason, I was super high on Wimbush. Mm-hmm. I loved I loved Brandon Wimbush coming out. I had yeah. Tyler Buckner rated higher. Uh, I, I love the three highest rated quarterbacks I've had since I've started following Notre Dame. Uh, four highest rated. It's it's Jimmy Clausen, Everett Golson, uh, Phil Dracovic, and Tyler Buckner. Even ahead of Brandon, and I love Brandon. I think, too, is Brandon, we had some questions about as him as a passer because he had kind of gone through some funky overhauls. Uh, I have a lot more confidence about, Brand, about Tyler Buckner being a more effective passer than I have about Brandon Wimbush, and you talk about concern at receiver depth. Notre Dame went into the Georgia game in 2017 trying to beat them with freaking Freddie Canteen, Chris Fink, and Cam Smith. Yes, they did. And still almost beat them. Yes, they did. So, away from doing it. yeah. Yeah. So, I'd say, uh, you know, similar excitement, John. I mean, you're going to add a dynamic runner. Yes. You know, you're going to add a guy that can, can be a, a dynamic quarterback. Yeah. When stuff breaks down, you know, he can take off and do something special. I mean, I, I think of the Michigan game and Michigan game in 2018, Vince, you know, which was kind of the last great game for Brandon. Remember that third and 18 where he almost got sacked, but he kind of broke a tackle and yeah. spun out and then runs for 20. I love Jack Cohen. He's not doing that. Ian no. is, is, was a really good scrambler. He's not doing that. Agreed. Tyler can do that. Brandon could do that. And and you just can't coach that. You can't scheme right. that. Like, hey, on this play, Brandon or Tyler, I want you to drop back, get hit in the back, bounce off the tackle, and then run for 20. The defense won't expect it at all. Yeah, right. Right? I mean, that's, you don't coach that. It's just that's a great player. And, and you're a great playmaker. Not a great yeah. player, a great playmaker. And I think Tyler brings a lot of that to the table. I just think Tyler's a better passer. Yeah, And no, I to agree. be honest, I think Tyler's supporting cast at the skill positions is going to be a lot better than what yeah. – 
Brandon's that was I, in 2017. With I all due respect to Josh too. Adams, uh, this is a better overall skills. Uh, yeah. You know, to me, group no of, doubt. Skill of players, yes. No doubt. And then last Tyler Buckner question, and we're going to end it with this one. Uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, to Sarah McCoy, who is throwing straight fire in the chat <laughs> in Michigan, which I love. <laughs> I mean, she is just throwing bombs oh. at Michigan right now. Uh, so appreciate you, Sarah, very much. I, but. Hey, I just to jump on that argument real quick. That the argument is is who's the bigger brand, Michigan mm-hmm. or Texas? Yeah, that's that. That's, who who's trying to argue? Is a Michigan fan trying to argue uh, that? Corey Corey D is arguing it. I'm sorry, it's not close. I from a branding standpoint, it's Michigan by a lot. Mm. By Are a we lot. talking hockey? <clears throat> I, I don't. I think go with so. Michigan and hockey. No, it's not even close, man. No, it's, it's not, not it's close not even, at all. But it's whatever. not even close. So that's where that that's where her fire came from. Yeah. I mean, she was throwing grenades. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it was. It was. I don't know where it came from because I'm working from the bottom up. <laughs> and and uh, uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, there was a question funny. here about what we were just talking about. Uh, Brandon Plenish. So it was Reese uh, Wimbush's QB coach. He got him towards the, the end. end. The guy that that jacked up Brandon's motion to to the point where like it was like just Unfixable. don't make it worse was Mike Sanford. He right. coached him for two years, and so uh, yes, Reese was his quarterbacks coach, quarterbacks coach as a junior and senior. By that right. point in time, Brandon's throwing motion was just so god awful that it was like it, it wasn't fixable. Right? Uh, you know, there, there's there's no question. All right, so this is uh, the the last question here. This is also about Tyler. I thought this was interesting. Yeah, I thought th- I think this is really Zach Z zero two two one says, would the dialogue surrounding Tyler Buckner be different if he played in the blue gold game? I think it's a, it's a resounding yes. Yes, to be honest with you, because not only did he not play, but the nature of the reason that he didn't play just led to so much speculation and so much ire and all of this stuff. If he would have played and been three quarters of the quarterback that I think he can be, we're not having this conversation. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that, Zach. And I think that's a great, great point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it, we got this. We kind of, we kind of wrapped this up here. Uh, and it was uh, Irish shy town. Uh, Brian, his, his uh, more of a sports talk question with Sean, but will sports talk have a weekly mailbag or call in show? Look, we're not going to do a call in show for like a million reasons. <laughs> just, we're just not. We don't have the ability to screen calls the way that we would need to. Right. Maybe I'll say never, but we're a long way away from that. Right, right. Uh, you almost need like a full time producer. Right. You need all these yeah. different things to make. Yeah. That now, happen. what I've thought about doing for fun is like you know having people record questions to Ooh. send in that we could bring up. You know, kind of that kind of thing. I've thought about doing that down the road. That's not you bad. Know, we'd find a way to kind of how could we do that and those kind of things. So that's something in the thought process. But like you got to understand. There's legal protections here. We bring somebody in on a live calling show and they just start saying like just ignorant, yeah, stupid, racist or whatever things. And all of a sudden we're responsible for that. Yeah, that's a huge uh, And I'm just not going to sub- subject myself. Where somebody says something stupid in the chat, I can ban them and it's not a problem. It's not right. on the show. You right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, so it just in, in 99, 999 out of a thousand people would be fine. Right. But it would take that, that one one person to get us to be a moron, off of YouTube or whatever. Right. Like, exactly, we don't exactly. need that. Uh, as far as the mailbag, so we're trying to take a different approach with that show, and it just be more of a sports talk show. Uh, but 
look, Sean will respond to questions during the show and, and he'll take super chats. But sure. we have talked about maybe during the summer, he may have like a mailbag day uh, where it's like, you know what? There's just not a lot of hot topics in the middle of July. Let's have a mailbag. Let's let, so there, there may be some stuff like that, but his is meant to be much shorter and just kind of talking sure. and, and stuff like that. But, you know, you can super chats. He'll take super chats and answer those questions during the show. But I, as of right now, we're, we're, if we were to do a mailbag, we would probably, I mean, we, we kind of already do a lot of those, right? We do the Friday one. We do them after every show that we do on during the day. What we're trying to avoid is to make that show the same as this one. Right. With just different hosts. Right. Right. Which means some slightly different topics. So we want to be able to talk about other different things and, and uh, you know, so, so I'm not ruling it out, but it'll, it'll never be like this. It'll, it won't be like three hours long. It, it, I just wanted to be like, it's, it's 45 minutes to an hour and 15. It's kind of the, the wheelhouse. And, you know, you have the different segments and, you know, I'm just trying to let Sean kind of it's different. Do yeah. What he it's does. Totally different. And and uh, take a different place to it because you know somebody Sean told me somebody's like you know when well, you guys can talk about football like well sports talk not football talk right because <laughs> right. we, we look when are we talk football how about the three hour show we did starting at one o'clock right you know what I mean well and we um, talked about football and realignment last right, night right, and it was right. a lot of fun it man. won't just be yeah. football is the right. point and yeah. so I want that to, I want that show to have a different feel it's like kind of starting a TV network right like you don't have like you know it's like the same, the same kind show of show every time, every yeah. time you want to kind of right. mix it up right and so that's what we're trying to do so when we start if we branch out into different shows it'll it'll be different ideally it, the, yeah. the thing that it's going to be great content right but as i said if you want to get some things talked about like it, just throw a super chat at him but sean and i actually were talking yesterday about you know the potential of during the summer maybe having a mailbag you know or yeah. or what we've also talked about is maybe having in one of your weekly shows the second half be a mailbag on that particular day. We've talked about some different things like that, but again, we want to try to avoid making this a repeat that show, a repeat of this show with just my perspective versus his or Ryan's perspective versus Vince's. We want it to have a really different feel. Right. And that's why we've tried to avoid just kind of doing what works here there. Right. Because otherwise I just would have, not paid him and we would just do two shows. <laughs> just do another show. Right. Um, I, I think Sean brings something really different and unique and excellent that I want to be a part of our network. And so we're yep. go about that. But that's a great question, Irish I think, because I know you're not the only one asking that. Sure. And I really appreciate you I, asking I, that question. I kind of dig the idea of getting some pre-recorded type questions. Like yeah. re- they record themselves, they email it to us, we right. can screen it, we can throw it up and then right. answer it. Like I, right. I don't. I've, I've I, thought about something like that. Yeah, I think there's some merit to that. You know, I gotta dive more into that with Sean. I think sure. that could be fun. But again, it's just yeah. you gotta understand like the call, and it takes it takes a financial investment to invest in the in the tech. The, the yeah, the, all the different I mean boards and the, all these different things, and it's yeah. just we're just not there yet. Uh, and and again, I I just I wanted to have a different feel. But I hope you all understand. We are, we're not even close to being done. Like, we're not like, hey, we found our sweet spot. Let's live right here. <laughs> Let's, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's no living uh, anywhere. We're going to keep this thing growing. Yeah, man. You know, I mean, if, if we got to the point where we started just doing like, you know, hour long, like five hour long shows because we had different time, I mean, you know, maybe we get to that point someday. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that necessarily. But then, of course, I'd have to pull rank and say, no, my show's going to be longer because I can't condense everything into an hour. I just talk too much. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> Gotta know your strengths and weaknesses, man. 
right? <laughs> so you didn't need to laugh that hard. <laughs> Real life comedy is what gets me. It's the that's observational right. comedy. That's, and that's right. What gets me, that's buddy. right. Anyway, Vince, that's going to do it, buddy. Why don't you go ahead and take us out of here? Absolutely. So thanks, everybody, for paying attention and hanging out with us for a little while. Really appreciate it. Make sure you hit that like button, the subscribe button, hit that notification bell, because you never know when we're going to come on with a second or a third show. Speaking of a second show, there is another one coming at 6 o'clock. It is the IB Nation Sports Talk with Sean, and uh, I am not sure what they are talking Here's, about tonight. He just sent me the topic. Beautiful. Could Notre Dame save college football as we know it? Oh, man. He's he also going to have a USC beat writer on with him tonight. Oh, nice. Nice. So very, very cool. interesting topic tonight. Very I'm cool. kind of bummed and a little <laughs> annoyed that I didn't think of that. <laughs> That's going to be a great topic. Well, and let me let me add on to it. Go check out irishbreakdown.com because Sean has a great article yes. that he wrote about Marcus Freeman and uh, Bill Pullian. He took, yeah. he took the 11 points that Bill Pullian writes to what make, make a successful coach when he's talking about hiring coaches. And he went through and kind of talked about where Marcus Freeman falls on all 11 of them yes. really well. And he, really he just sent article. it to me last night like random. I had no clue he was writing it. Like <laughs> we didn't talk about it. He just like, hey, here's an article. I'm like, Okay. okay. I'm like, thanks. This yeah. is really good. You know, it was really he's good, also going to be our new beat writer as well. By yeah, the way. it was really good. Um, so David Knight with a super chat here last second, bought my ticket for August 6th. When I get home, we'll grab some I gear, IB gear. I go Irish. David is obviously overseas for now. So we are happy to hear that you're going to be coming home soon. That's man. awesome. I don't know if that's going to be for good or just a visit, man, but we'd love to obviously get you back safe and sound. So that's uh, awesome. Really, really appreciate that. And 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 Vince, why don't you just let May say K take us yep. out? Of here. I oh, love. He I gave love us May. two super chats. Oh my so, gosh! Yeah, I think he. I don't think he meant to do that. So if you didn't mean to do that, David, get with me and we can. Yeah, no kidding. We can, we can get that corrected. But let's so May, the, Mason always yeah. takes us out. We really appreciate. It. Join the message board. Hit the like, subscribe, and the notification bell. Share this podcast and leave a five star review. Visit the IB store for the best IB Nation merch. And as always, go Irish.